0: You're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast sponsored by Natural Stacks. This is the show everybody who's into performance and biohacking should listen to. If you want to know more about performing optimally, check out optimalperformance.com. You were looking for a way to change your life. You got it. I kind of think in some ways, selfishly,
1: that it should remain a secret because it is such an advantage that I kind of want to keep to myself. Natural Stacks. Natural Natural Stacks. Stacks. Shout out to the guys over at Natural Stacks. Start optimizing your mental and physical performance. Optimize yourself.
0: Happy Thursday, all you Optimal Performers, and welcome to another episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Muncy. And I've got our guest with me today, Sean Heisen. Sean, what's up? How you doing, Ryan? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great, man. Thank you so much for uh, hanging out with us today. Um, So for all of you Optimal Performers, we'll introduce you to Sean. Sean Heisen is the training director for Men's Fitness and Muscle & Fitness magazines. Uh, He oversees exercise and the nutrition content for both of those publications. And Sean's also the author of 101 Best Workouts of All Time he wrote the truth about strength training and he is a certified strength and conditioning specialist CSCS um Sean lives in LA he's also available for online fitness and coaching so that's quite a bio Sean let's uh let's have some fun with us today <laughs> thanks man it makes me sound pretty cool it does it does so um i want to get right into uh to that you know like we said it's a cool bio how did you get to where you are um you know you've got some pretty cool things right there. What, what are your interests and, and how did it lead to where you are?
1: Well, I really got into, I mean, I always knew I was going to do writing. I was always a writer and I really liked working out. I got into fitness in college. So I was just very lucky when I got out of school. I was able to combine those passions. And it's like, well, I, I like writing. I like write, I like fitness. So maybe I'll write about fitness. All right. So I got a job at men's fitness. I was an editorial assistant in the beginning. I just did all the gopher jobs in the beginning and I, I worked my way up, and just uh, surprisingly, I was one of the probably the only guy on the staff at the time who really had any real passion for fitness. The rest of them were professional journalists, and so they knew what to put it out a magazine, but they didn't necessarily have any great knowledge or you know, desire to learn more about, about training and nutrition, but I did. So just by applying myself, I, I sort of took the lead in that, that role and educated myself along the way, I got the CSCS, and became the fitness editor, and it built up from there.
0: All right. That's really cool. So you got your CSCS um, while you were working for them? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so how did you kind of move up the ranks with them?
1: Uh, well, I, I was, uh, like I said, I, I was one of the few guys who knew about fitness. So it, it kind of became. Natural for them to give me more and more stories right off the bat that were you know fitness related as opposed to the lifestyle stuff and you know the grooming and and fashion stuff which obviously I know nothing about (laughs) (laughs) so I I became sort of the the go to guy for all the all the core fitness content and uh, you know I just the interest that I expressed in it allowed me to to take on more and more in that department and I started doing the interviews with the athletes and the some of the the cover guys and the fitness models and I started taking the photo shoots where we you know show the all the different workout moves and how they're demonstrated it built up from there and yeah I got the CSCS and just uh I just made it clear that I wanted to be
0: involved in all things you know fitness this is my passion and and I just learned by doing gotcha well we are the optimal performance podcast so you know the whole fashion and, and all that grooming that doesn't matter but you know you said that you are uh getting to interview a lot of the people that that the magazine features so I want to dig into that a little bit more. You know, your position gives you, as you said, some, some inside insight and perspective on, on what these guys are doing. Um, what kind of trends do you see with, with the most successful guys in terms of optimizing their performance?
1: Uh, well, whether it's with uh, the strength coaches I talk to or the athletes and the celebrities that I've interviewed, they, they all have a really positive attitude. It all begins with that with attitude, and they all have this – this thing of like, I'm going to just set a little goal every day and I'm going to accomplish this little goal. That's how you, you can get someplace big in life without being overwhelmed by it. You know, they say like, all right, as long as I hit this workout today, as long as I do this little thing for, you know, to work towards self-improvement, I'm going to get there eventually. It doesn't have to be a humongous change at a time. I mean, nobody loses 20 pounds in a weekend. It's got to be, you know, a system of, Consistently doing things correctly over a long period of time. So it's, it's their attitude and, and their discipline. And, and I found a lot of these guys to be really inspiring, just the way they live. And, and a lot of the guys who were at the top of their field, you know, some of the, the highest, most respected uh, trainers in our industry are also some of the most altruistic. They're really generous with their time and their knowledge. They're an open book, and uh, you know, they'll help anybody who comes
0: to them. And I've always thought it was really, it was really privileged to be around guys like that. It's, a, it's very inspiring. Okay. All right. Very cool. So we've got be positive, disciplined, be generous. I mean, those are those are attributes of any um, outstanding human being. So, um, Yeah. And
1: one more thing I'll add to that. A lot of people I've interviewed who, who've had enormous success with weight loss and they've had huge body transformations. They didn't do it for anybody else. That was a misperception I had when I first got into this. I thought that like, well, you know, if a guy really wants to you know, get in shape and, and drop a lot of fat. You know, Maybe he needs to be motivated by money or he wants to look good for some girl or he wants to impress somebody. All that extrinsic stuff doesn't work. It, it's got to really come from within. It's got to be a decision you're making for yourself. Like You want to look better or feel better just for your own benefit and that's it. You, you can't you're not going to stay motivated to make any changes if it's to impress somebody or to, to shut somebody up, to prove somebody wrong. That never lasts. Uh, that, that was a,
0: a big learning curve for me that, uh, you know, it really, it just has to be, you know, purely about yourself. Yeah. I'm nodding in agreement in the years that I've owned our, our gym. Uh, that's definitely something that I've seen and would agree with it, it. Like you said, it has to be intrinsic. You have to do it for you. Um, because those motivations are the things that are going to get you out of bed, Uh, on the days that you may not want to, if if you have some kind of superficial motivation. So um, what about on the um, kind of the biohacking side of it? Uh, Do you see trends or or commonalities between all these guys, things that they do to kind of take their performance to the next level?
1: Uh, I mean, I think it it really, the the big common thing is, is the basics. They all go back to the basics. They're doing Basic lifts. A lot of the, the most in shape people I ever met, they're still doing you know barbell lifts, some of the, some of the Olympic lifts are their variants. They're following a diet like I guess we'll describe soon. You know, just, just moderate in all you know protein, carbs, and fat. They don't go in for these for the tricks or the trends like you know. I remember stability ball training was a really big deal a while ago, and you know the TRX and all this suspension training. And now that stuff doesn't have value because it absolutely does, but. Just kind of getting away from the way people trained 30, 40, 50, 100 years ago with just the basic movements, free weights, body weight, any anything that they kind of modifies that or thinks it's going to outsmart that is going to lead you down probably a, a dangerous path. So uh, all these guys, you know, it's old is new again, but all these guys who are really at the top of their game, they, they seem to be doing stuff that was, you know, already written about and very effective many many years ago and all the technology and the new thinking that's come out hasn't taken that much farther
0: gotcha gotcha um so you know you kind of alluded to it there we definitely want to dig into um, some of the stuff that you write about and you know you are a truth seeker and i think a lot of our listeners can relate to that we're always looking for um, the truth the reasons why and we're looking for the best ways to to do things so that we can Uh, achieve our maximum potential. Um, So one of the the articles that you recently wrote, um, you reviewed some scientific literature and found that the optimal diet based on scientific research is one that's um, about two to three grams per kilogram of protein uh, every day and 15 to 30% fat and the rest of calories coming from carbohydrates. So a lot of our listeners are going to be people who follow a paleo or maybe even the bulletproof diet, which is almost the exact opposite of those recommendations. So somebody who's probably eating a little bit higher fat and lower carb. Um, so some, so a recommendation like that's going to kind of catch some of us off guard. Can you explain uh, some of the science behind that?
1: Yeah, well this is just what I was saying. It's the diet that was described that you just described is basically what what bodybuilders like Arnold and those guys are doing. Fifty some odd years ago, it hasn't really changed that much because it hasn't needed to. Basically, this this meta analysis, these guys did, did, looked a lot of different studies and they found that you know the, the commonalities among a lot of amateur bodybuilders, drug-free amateur bodybuilders, was, was that they were eating, like I said, a, two to three kilograms, or about, about a gram to a gram and a half of protein per pound of body weight a day. Fifteen to thirty percent of their uh, their calories from fat, so you know roughly twenty percent and was the average and the rest was from carbs. And that was just that consistently came up again and again. That's what the what the guys who were successful in bodybuilding were doing. When they when they didn't have steroids, when they weren't necessarily genetic freaks, this is what most of the successful bodybuilders were were doing. So I mean that's that's your answer. I mean that must be what works. If that's what's working for most guys, why isn't it gonna work for you and me? And it, it probably seems a little jaded and outdated and Ineffective compared to some of the, the new research and all these uh, all these buzzwords coming out about how successful you know low carb diets are. But you know the, the proof is in the is in the uh, the longevity of it. And this is what what guys were doing many years ago. It's what these successful guys are doing now. And the reason it works is because it's not extreme. It's it's easy to sustain for one thing. When you're eating a moderate amount of carbs and then cut to the bone, you don't go crazy. You don't have uh, lulls in energy. You're able to stick with the diet longer. Uh, that's you know it's a good amount of protein. It's enough to sustain muscle mass in your dieting, but it's not so much that you're eating chicken breasts all day long. And you know the fat is is just enough fat to support hormone levels, but it's not so high that it's going to keep you out of a caloric deficit, which is a lot of things, a lot of the times that's a big mistake people make. They forget that when they're eating a lot of fat, even though the carbs are low, that's still a lot of fat. And a lot of fat means a lot of calories. So it's very hard to achieve a caloric deficit and that's really what you need to uh, to lose fat. Nobody can argue that. So it's really just a, it's a diet of moderation and like the reason it works is because it's, it's sustainable and, and it's healthy too. It allows, it's not cutting anything out completely. You're not devoiding yourself of any nutrients. You can have potatoes, you can have rice, you can have vegetables, fruit, and it just, it works better for the long term.
0: Yeah. I think there's a couple of things you said in there that, that listeners should pay real close attention to. I mean, longevity, consistency, sustainability. Um, you know, we want something that we can do forever, not six months at a time, and then have to go and do something else. Um, the other thing I'll, I'll add to that is, you know, your demographic—the the folks that you deal with the most—are their fitness people. They're people who everybody you mentioned as, as an example, people who are uh, lifting heavy weights uh, anywhere from three to seven times a week um, and doing some type of other activity, whether it's walking or cardio of of some sort on top of that weight training. So a lot of uh, bulletproof dieters um, or or even some paleo dieters are not strength training that frequently. So they may not need quite as many carbohydrates as that bodybuilder diet. So I think you always have to, um, as we look at diets that are out there, we have to look at what our goals are, what our needs are, uh, and compare that to um, what the literature is saying and, and what is being presented that way so you know if you are uh somebody who's following body by science where you work out once every 10 days and it's extremely high intensity um i I don't know if you're familiar with it sean but it's a um very much like uh the arthur jones uh and the nautilus hit training from from back uh in that era where you know it's it's one workout uh every seven to ten days so if that's you then you wouldn't need the amount of carbohydrates on a daily basis as these bodybuilders. So, um, I think needs assessment and goals is a very important thing to, to keep in mind when we look at these approaches and, and try to pick the right one for us. And the other thing that, that I've always told people too is everyone's u- unique and individual, and we need to try what works best for us. So, you know, if you're in, if you have questions about it, try it yourself, pay really close attention to how your body responds to it, and, and go from there.
1: Yeah, Ryan, you make a great point. I think that people, the, people who do best on low-carb diets are generally the, the sedentary populations that aren't weight training, they're not playing sports. Therefore, they just don't need that many carbs for the sake of energy. So, if, if you're, you know, an, an overweight housewife or executive or something, and you're really not making time for weight training, yeah, I wouldn't recommend eating, you know, a, a gram or two grams
0: of carbs, you know, per pound of your body weight. So, so we're talking about longevity consistency and I think that's a it's a great fit for you know natural stacks and and what we're trying to do here with the product line every product um, is, is five ingredients or less it's all open source um, everything is, is is trying to be as transparent as possible letting consumers see exactly what's going into their bodies and I think that was one of the reasons that we really felt like you would be such a great guest um, you know even your uh, your ebook Sean is is truth about strength training so um, you wrote also, um, you know, the 101 best strength training workouts. So, so tell us a little bit about, um, you know, you mentioned some of this earlier, the big, the basic compound lifts, what's, what are some insights that you can share, uh, on the strength training side, you know, for people who are interested in that?
1: Well, one thing that I've learned recently that was kind of a, a bitter pill to swallow was that while I do believe in the, the big basic lifts and you know, compound movements and barbell training, that uh, you know the powerlifting or the powerlifts in you know, a bench squat and deadlift is not necessarily for everybody i think everybody has to train heavy to a degree or at least for a while in their in their life and everybody needs to work on increasing strength but you don't necessarily need to work on those three lifts because they they just not everybody's built for them, not everybody has the mobility to do them safely, and they can really beat you up after a while. And I've, I've learned that the hard way. I have a you know partially torn labrum on my left hip and my elbows are pretty beat up and I have a you know bad shoulder. And I just think if I wasn't so rigidly concerned with uh, putting up big numbers in those lifts, I would have, you know, I would have fewer injuries and I'd probably just as much muscle mass. So I think you got to think more openly about it. You know, if you've put in your time under the bar and you've, you've mastered those lifts, it's time to... Branch out a little bit and uh, and cross train a little bit more and and you can still train brutally hard with a barbell I mean, just instead of doing a back squat maybe you want to think about doing Bulgarian split squats you know put your back leg up on something and you know, do a rear foot elevated split squat do different kinds of deadlifts instead of the conventional try you know trap bar try you know sumo stance and you know, just change up the stance a little bit. And, uh, with, with benching, you maybe want to go for, if you have the option, you know, hopefully you have a, a gym that has uh, specialty bars, you can try something like a football bar bench press or a you know, thick bar bench press, you know, change up the grip and the angle and, and just do, do things that, that can save your joints. Because, uh, you know, once you've got joint problems that you're dealing with and they, they never really go away. So the best,
0: uh, best prevention, you know, prevention is the best medicine. Yeah. And, and I'll piggyback on that and, you know, you don't have to use the barbell to go heavy either. You know, you know, we use a lot of dumbbell, kettlebell moves um, in our facility. So um, for people who still want to squat, we can do goblet squats. You can go heavy on those or uh, double kettlebell rack squat. Um, you know, if you can work up to your body weight in that, um, that's, that's ridiculous strength and that has a lot of carryover to everything else in life. And as you said, Sean, you don't have to beat your body up with the bar and, you know, just because you're not biomechanically suited to certain power moves with the barbell doesn't mean that you can't squat bench or deadlift with other implements. For sure. Um, and you, you know, you mentioned joints and, and injuries and stuff. Let's get into recovery a little bit. What are some of your favorite recovery techniques?
1: Well, I think nutrition is the main thing. You've got to be eating clean. You know, getting sleep is no joke. You have to get... I mean, some people function at less, but I think minimum seven hours for most regular people. For me, a big thing, at least in recent months, has been uh, mobility. Just every single day now, I, I take ten or fifteen minutes to just do some kind of stretching, some kind of a. I like a lot of Kelly Starrett's videos on uh, on YouTube. His uh, mobility wise you know, I like that contract and relax technique. You know, just get into a, an uncomfortable stretch position, contract that muscle really hard for five seconds, let it go for ten, just relax into it, and repeat a couple times. Just I, I think people they stretch, but the mistake they make is they, they don't have the patience for it. They don't stretch long enough. They'll get into a you know they'll do three sets of thirty seconds and you know you know a hamstring stretch and they're they're done. You've got to really you know camp out on these these uncomfortable positions for a while to really get them to open up. And the more I've done that, the uh, just the better I've felt and the less injuries I've had.
0: Yeah, you know I was at a uh, a conference down at uh, at Sorex Summer Strong last weekend and. and- very similar statement was made about stretching that it should actually help you feel better it should it should reduce tension not increase tension um after you do it so um give us an example you know you said um you know contract for five seconds relax for ten um give us like one muscle group or or an area of the body that you use that on and kind of walk us through one
1: well i I know i have very tight hips so one simple thing to do is on the couch that i'm sitting on right now i'll put my foot up on the armrest of the couch so it's like I'm in I'm a deep hip flexion position, you know, knee is up by in my chest, and I'll just drive my heel into the floor, real um, into the armrest, really, really hard, and and squeeze my hamstrings, and my glutes, for five seconds, and then just relax it, and I will sink deeper into that. That sort of half squat position. So
0: you're, you're standing. And just, you
1: know, repeat that for for a couple minutes, and you'd just be amazed how much that opens up, and that that helps you get into a deeper hip flexion, you know, stance when you're doing a, a deadlift or a squat. You can sit back and your heels farther, and it really
0: opens up your hips quite a bit. Just to clarify, you're you're kind of you're standing to the side and and facing the armrest when you do that.
1: Right. Yeah, I'm standing off the side of the couch. Uh, my my foot is on the the armrest. I'm facing the couch. Gotcha. So it just might. Kind of hard to demonstrate it, but my, my, my right. leg is kind of up in the air. It's being supported by the the armrest of the couch, right. and I'm just I'm just driving my heel into it to activate the hamstrings and the glutes, and then I relax it and I'll sink deeper into that position, and then and then you hold out, you know, hold for a while, and the go deeper and deeper. Then the next thing you can do from that is you know turn your leg out to the side, turn your knee out, and rest rest your uh, your shin, the side of your shin, on the uh, you know, I guess the peroneal muscles on the armrest of the couch and then lean forward do a piriformis stretch from there and you can do, apply the same principle you know drive your your leg down then relax and you'll sink deeper into that into that stretch
0: yeah and this is a good point for for me to note to all of our listeners that we will have show notes on the website optimum uh optimalperformance.com and um we will grab a video of that so that you guys can see it it'll be in the show notes and that way you don't have to try to uh do it yourself based on just our verbal cues here. So you'll actually be able to see it. Um, and, uh, for, for this episode and all future podcasts, if you go to optimal performance.com, you'll be able to see those show notes uh, along with any other links to content that our guests talk about. So, um, so Sean, just to make it clear what that
1: does, you're stretching out the external rotators and the, the hip flexors and with that move. And that will really help you sit back farther in, in a deadlift or a squat. It'll really help you, uh, just do any kind of hip flexion movement more safely. So your lower back won't be as apt to round over your hamstrings will be looser. It works a lot of different areas. It's very
0: cool. Yeah. So, I mean, if you have, Low back pain, low back problems. If you have a tight back, this is something that will help you, um, loosening up your, your glutes, your hamstrings, those external rotators, like Sean just mentioned, all of that stuff will help with back pain. So, um, if, if you think you have low back pain, uh, or a tight back, definitely try this one and and you'll get some experience. Or if you sit all day long, even if you don't think you have back pain, you need this one. Yeah. Um. All right. Cool. Well, so we talked about recovery. What about, uh, like pre-workout or, um, you know, whether it's a supplement or a routine that you have to make sure that when you hit the gym, um, or any other physical performance, what kinds of tricks do you employ, Sean, to, to kind of get the best out of what you're trying to do?
1: I've never been too big on pre-workout supplements. I've tried a lot of different things. I haven't tried your products yet, uh, by your, by your sponsor there, but, Generally, just you know, a cup of black coffee has always been enough for me to get amped up. And I, I roll out a lot. I take a PVC pipe and I, I roll up and down the whole thing, the whole body every time for about five minutes. And like I said, some mobility drills, and then I just I kind of get into it. And uh, for me, I think uh, it's nice like pre-workout. But the first thing I do in the workout oftentimes is some kind of. Light machine or dumbbell exercises to pump blood into the muscles, just to get get the joints and everything kind of you know you know loosened up and, and ready to go heavy. I very rarely will go in and just you know, just load up a barbell and do a heavy lift right away because I just feel like that's too stressful and that's that's a trick I learned from from John Meadows, the noun Dog bad guy. It just it's a good
0: idea to start off with something that sort of you know primes the pump before you get into uh, the heavier work. Yeah, John's an awesome guy. I got to uh, work with him for uh, about a year, year and a half. So as soon as you started talking about those machines or the, the kind of pre pump movements, it made me think. Yeah, about you know what moving. I'm talking about. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. So, yeah.
1: um, what, one thing I'll add about that is is the first question I always get about that is, oh well, you know, isn't that going to wipe me out for my main lift? I'm going to be exhausted. I don't want to, you know get spent on my first exercise. And, and I, I've i never found that to be the case. I, I can do 50 glute ham raises before I get into the bar for a squat and um, you know, it doesn't affect my pounders at all. It, it might affect them in the beginning, but then that's just telling you that, you know, you need work in that area. If you're yeah. that weak that you, you know, a couple sets of, uh, of leg curls or glute hams, you know, wipes you out for a main lift then you, know, you got a bigger problem.
0: Yeah. And, and the thing I'll again add to that is you know you may see a decrease in that main movement for the first week or two but after three or four weeks it goes up and, and even exceeds what you were doing before that and you know if you can create a body that can withstand more volume and more of that workload and then still perform at a higher output afterwards then you have done exactly what we're trying to do in the weight room and that is build yourself into something bigger and better yeah it's a matter
1: of taking you know one step back and take two steps forward
0: Let's move on from that. Shift gears just a little bit. I want to know. You mentioned earlier that you you have always been a writer. um Walk us through your creative process a little bit. You know, if you decide, hey, I want to write an article. Do you? How does that work? Do you do you sit <laughs> down and say I'm going to write about this? Is it just kind of an idea that hits you and you you're like, oh man, I got to find paper and write it down? How's it go for you?
1: Well, I, I wrote a book about this. <laughs> I wrote an ebook about this process called the. Uh, uh, how to get published? You can pick it up at writingforfitness.com. John Romanello and uh, Lou Schuler and I worked on this together. Uh, it just yeah, I mean with uh, with fitness magazines, there is it's such a formula. That's the thing. If, if people have to want to freelance for fitness magazines. Have to realize that you know okay, this is going to be maybe a 200 word intro to the story, and then we're going to have these three bullet point tips on on whatever you know topic we're whatever uh, topic we're addressing. These are our three. You know, serviceable information tips, and then a quick conclusion, and then you're out of there. There is exercise descriptions, and then that's it. It, it. It's really short and sweet. So, you know, at this point, I can I can crank through them pretty fast. But sometimes I just I'm just looking for that one idea, that one kind of joke that gets me off and running. Like, uh, I just I need one I need one sentence in the beginning uh, of a story to to kind of set the tone for the whole thing. So I think yesterday I was writing about, um, you know, about how a push pull split is, is better for some people than, than a classic body part split. And, and I was like, my intro was something like, you know, we know you love your body part split. Like you love Mr. Fuzzy was your teddy bear when you were a kid, but you know, now it's starting to look silly and embarrassing. So we, <laughs> so I, I kind of set up a metaphor from that. And then I explain why this idea is better than that idea. And then it kind of ties in at the end with some kind of kicker joke. And that's generally the process of seeing men's health and men's fitness. And, uh, yeah, once I once I, find I, I get that, that, that metaphor down or whatever that main idea is that I want to express and, and, and the joke that's going to make it more palatable to a mainstream audience and not so dry and technical, once that's achieved, I'm pretty much off the of running.
0: Is there a time of day where you feel most creative, mornings, evenings, um, coffee, any particular supplements, anything that, that really gets you flowing?
1: Yeah, I think you know, most people you'll talk to in this industry, and I think Tim Ferriss wrote about this and four hour work week is, you know, first thing in the morning, that's when you're sharpest, just get up and assuming you've had decent night's sleep, you know, maybe a cup of coffee. And then, then whatever your most important thing you have to do is in that day, get it done right away. Prioritize like that. Don't check email first thing in the morning, try to get whatever you, you want to say or get written out right away. And then, then you can get bogged down in email and all the other distractions. But you know, like especially if you are working in an office, like I did for many years, it, it, when when you get there people are always competing for your attention. They're yeah. they're interrupting you right when you're in the zone mm-hmm. Whatever you got to get done That's the most important thing do it first before you know, the, the wolf pack really descends on you and they start to really compete for your.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really great point. Um, I, I've kind of found this by by accident it, Owning the gym and having to be up at 4 in the morning to teach some boot camps a couple of days a week at 5 and 6 a.m. I don't have time to check my email in the morning. So I'm actually able to start the day with whatever intent I want to bring to that day and, and to that uh, session. And then from there I can carry that right into, you know, we're done, it's 7 a.m. and I can sit down and quiet and start writing. but. You know, you mentioned not checking email, don't check Facebook first thing. So many people roll out of bed. I mean, we, we probably all use our alarms on our phones. So you wake up, right. your phone's in your hand, you're looking at email, you're looking at Facebook, and, and you're already kind of pulled away from you, your intent and and what you want to do. So, so that's a great point. I, I really like that.
1: Well, I think it's natural to just as human beings, we want to feel connected. The first thing in the morning, you know, most people, they, they pull open their shades, they look out on the street or they, they want to, you know, they, they kiss whoever they're with, you know, hello in the morning. Like you want to immediately start interacting with people and because it makes you feel alive and helps you wake up. But if you're a writer, it's not necessarily the best thing. If, if you're writing, you know, a copy or, you know, stories or it's journalism, right. You know, it's, it's kind of by nature like a solitary thing. I mean, you talk to people, you get information, but when it comes down to disseminating information in, in, in the written form, like, it's a very internal, you know, yeah. kind of a lonely process. So I, I find it's better to just sort of get, get focused, get in this zone, get this done, and then I can interact and relax with people after the fact.
0: Yeah, I, I really I, I would have to agree with that. I, I think that's, that's a very important thing. I accidentally uh, just hit the uh, button on my chair and shrank about a foot. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that we can edit that. Out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so, uh, you know, you mentioned that, that, uh, coffee is something that helps you. We are definitely going to uh, send you some, some silt up and some dopamine brain food, because I think if you give those a shot that you will see, uh, a, a little bit easier flow and, and, uh, We'll look forward to getting your, your feedback on using those, getting into the oh, zone. It's about time. Put, putting <laughs> I'm some I'm stuff ready. out. Yeah, you're going to love these things. Um, so one more thing uh, before we wrap this up, Sean, give us your three best tips to perform at the highest level.
1: Oh, man. Um, well, I guess on the, on the spiritual side of things, uh, like I said in the beginning, setting small goals every day. Everybody wants to do great things in life. And the more you think about it, how you're going to get from point A to point Z? It just seems like there's a million obstacles in between, and it's, it intimidates people, and they get off track, and they get nowhere. So I think whether you have any idea how you're going to achieve something or not, just say, ask yourself, you know, what's the simplest thing I can do today to, to get toward that that point? You know, if, if you want to be you want to be ripped, well, you know, what what can I do today that's going to get me ripped? Well. I could hire a trainer, I could, you know, clear out all the, the crappy food from my kitchen, I could, you know, pick a diet. Just this one simple thing. And then tomorrow the next step is like, well, I could start preparing my meals for the week. Or I could, you know, write out what I want my workouts to be, or I could, you know, figure out what my macros are. And just, you know, little by little, that will ultimately get you there. You don't have to know how you're gonna get there, but you have to know how to how to begin. And, and the beginning steps are always the easiest that anybody with no education in this stuff at all can figure out for himself. Uh, again, I would say, uh, you know, don't ignore mobility. That's hugely important. I think you know, everybody likes to just, you know, crack their knuckles and then pick up a barbell. But, you know, if you do that... You can maybe get away with that in your twenties, but as you get a little bit older, you know, you, you pay for it, and those those little aches and pains you thought would just go away or that they used to go away quickly, they start to linger around for a lot longer and sometimes permanently, and it's just not worth it. So, don't think that it makes you look stupid in the gym. You've, you've got to take the time to you know, get in those uncomfortable positions and stretch out, and you know, prepare for for lifting. And then uh, on the nutrition side. I think people have to be more aware of the power of the stir-fry. I'm a huge fan of making stir-fries. If you want a really simple way to get a lot of good food in you uh, quickly in, in one one shot, like a one-pot meal, the stir-fry is the way to go. You just you don't even have to use oil. You can put a little water in the bottom of a wok or a pan, You know, cook up your chicken or your fish, you know, some kind of protein, you chop it up, throw it in there, cook that up, add some vegetables, serve it over a bed of rice, and you're done. And it's delicious. You serve it with soy sauce, or throw some... Uh, Some garlic chili um, sauce on it. They, it's in the Asian uh, section of your food store, and it's just it's fantastic. And that you can you can cook those in bulk. You can have them for a whole week. And uh, I just make use of that a lot. It really gets all your, your
0: clean carbs, your vegetables, your protein in one place. Man, I'm hungry right now just listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's, those are awesome, awesome tips. Thank you, Sean. So uh, all of our listeners, you can get more of Sean at seanheisen.com. Uh, check out the truth about strength training there. Um, and Sean, you said you're, you're getting ready to redo the website?
1: yeah my uh, my website's going to be uh, overhauled it's going to come back with a, a new fresher look and uh, there's gonna be more of information about my online coaching program on there and more about the truth About strength training book and incidentally all the other nutrition stuff we were talking about before with the bodybuilders and how that, that the studies showed that was the optimal diet that just happens to be pretty much the diet that is prescribed <laughs> in my truth About strength training book I, I didn't even know about this study when I was writing the book I just wrote that book based on stuff that I had read and learned over the years. And then I was very happy to see that that big meta analysis came out that pretty much corroborated all of it. So yeah. if you, you know, so, believe me, the, the diet in my book is, is where solid. Some,
0: some validation for all the stuff that you read and studied before you wrote that.
1: Yeah, no, I was, I was, that was like kind of a big sigh of relief. Actually, <laughs> when I read this study, I was like, all right, then I do know what I'm talking
0: about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So, well, Sean, thanks a lot for your time today. And, uh, we, you know, we look, look forward to, to seeing more from you and, and hearing about all your successes.
1: Ryan, and uh, just to say it again, it's uh, seanhyson.com, S-E-A-N-H-Y-S-O-N.com.
0: Yeah, definitely. And we will have that link in the show notes for all of our Optimal Performers to check you out.
1: Awesome. Now, I appreciate talking. To you. you were looking for a way to change your life. You got it.
0: You've been listening to Optimal Performance Podcast. Remember, you can find show notes for every episode along with video version at optimalperformance.com. And also remember Optimal Performance Podcast loves your five-star ratings. So head on over to iTunes, show us some five-star love. And not only will we read those reviews on the show, but you will be entered into a raffle to win some free Natural Stacks goodies. See you next Thursday.